know most of you here know why we have the palm branches, and uh, I shared with you in the early service, John Freeman, if you don't know John Freeman, I know most of you do, he was taking it and he was tickling the people in front of him with the, I, I noticed it, I observed it, and so I, I called him on the carpet about it, said, John, you're acting like a little junior high, he said, yeah, ain't it fun, but he said, Ray Smith started it, so y'all know Ray. And then after church, he came up and confessed. He said, I lied. Ray didn't do it. I did it myself. We got tickled. We got to talking about how it's fun to go back and be junior high sometimes. But anyway, you have freedom. If you want to reach up and swat somebody on the neck, you just go ahead and do it. Chris, don't you dare. Chris was like, hey. A lot of emotions were running that week. A lot of emotions. You know, and I, you can't help but wonder, you know, if I'd have been there, how I would have reacted. You know, would I have been waving the palm branches and all excitement and everything? Of course, unfortunately for most of them, it didn't last very long. By the end of the week, a whole bunch of them doing this, hollering crucified. A lot of emotion that week. The title of the sermon is, is not original. You know where I'm going with it. The title of the sermon is, He Rode on That Donkey for You. Let's talk about that this morning. He Rode on That Donkey for You. You know I have been preaching from Isaiah. We've been had two Bible studies on Isaiah. And, um, Isaiah, more than any other book in the Old Testament, is quoted in the New Testament more than any other. The prophecy that I'm about to read to you, Jesus wrote. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the tr Trinity, they were, they were in complete harmony that this was going to be the plan. And so they wrote the book, and so Jesus fulfilled all these prophecies. And I'm going to read from Isaiah 50. But this week we studied in Bible study 52 and 53. Many of you remember the line in 53, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement was upon Him, and so... All of that he knew before he wrote in. Because he'd, re he'd read Isaiah. He wrote Isaiah. So this is Isaiah 50. And this is about Jesus. Isaiah's prophesying about the servant. And this is the third servant song that Isaiah writes. There are four of them. The fourth one is in Isaiah 52 and 53. This is the third one about the servant. Isaiah 50, verses 4 through 10. The Lord God has given me the, the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. So you see Jesus in that? given God the Father my mouth, my tongue, and I've given him my ear, and, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to be rebellious in this. I'm not going to turn away. I'm going to get on that donkey for you. This is all about Jesus. And then it says, verse 6, I give my back to those who struck me, and I give my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from the shame and from the spitting. Into the spitting. 
For the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint. I'm going to do this, he said. I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. He is near who justifies me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near me. Surely the Lord God will help me. Who is he who will condemn me? Indeed, they will all grow old like a garment, and the moth will eat them up. Then in verse 10, he gives a call to all. He asks these questions. Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? That's capital S. Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Then he gives us the answer. Let him trust. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. I have been using John Oswald. He was an Old Testament professor I had at Asbury Seminary. He's written a lot of books and even volumes on the book of Isaiah. So I've been using it during the Bible study. And this is a phrase that comes from John Oswald about Isaiah. The book of Isaiah, in a way, almost unparalleled in any other biblical book, reveals the complete picture of God. A complete picture of God, all of its 66 chapters. His sovereignty, His creativity, His purposefulness, His trustworthiness, His faithfulness, His justice, His grace, His holiness, his glory and his patience. The book's purpose is to declare Yahweh, which is often referred to from Isaiah, Yahweh, I am that I am. Yahweh's uniqueness to call people in every age to experience God's deliverance and to share in the task of demonstrating God's uniqueness to a watching world. Many prophecies from Isaiah. So keep in mind, this is 650-700 B.C., so 700 years or so before Christ. So a lot of prophecies are to be fulfilled. Um, during this very week, as he makes his way to the cross, and I remind you, I keep saying it over and over again, but fulfilled prophecy. And the number of prophecies that are fulfilled this coming week or astronomical in one person to be fulfilled in one person that's just a reminder of how powerful prophecy is it helps us to, to know that this is the word of God in fact fulfilled prophecy more than almost anything helps us to know God had to write this so Isaiah declares this week as you read in Isaiah I read an, an article about the Etruscan civilization, civilization, Etruscan. You may have read about it in World Civ. It's what we would call modern-day Italy right now, a portion of it, especially the northern part of Italy. So the, the Etruscans, after the Etruscans had defeated another civilization, they would have a triumphal procession. They'd have a parade. This is how they would do it. The captured defeated king from the other country would leave the procession so that people could spit on him and beat him. And at the end of the parade, then they would have a big party and they would sacrifice the defeated king 
to the Etruscan gods who supposedly had given them the victory. Think about that. Think about this week of Jesus riding in. Jesus led the parade going into Jerusalem. We know that he gave his back, he gave his cheek, they plucked his beard in humiliation and shame, they spit on him, and then what they do? They led him to be sacrificed. Thank God he followed through. He knew that without the shedding of blood, there would be no remission of sin. He knew, he knew about the lamb that Moses spoke about in all the prophecies. He knew who the lamb was. He knew he was it. He was to be led like a lamb slaughtered. He wrote the book. He knew who he was, and he knew for our sake he had to be sacrificed. But let's go back and let's read Luke 19, the story. And all the Gospels have it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell a little bit different details. You can go read them all. I'm going to read Luke 19. It's the one where Jesus has said, you know, go get the donkey, the colt, and if someone says, hey, what are you stealing our donkey for? Tell them the master has need of it. And so that's exactly what happened. They went and they just started taking this person's donkey and the mule and the colt. And they said, hey, what are you doing? The master has need of it. Okay. No questions asked. That's the details we're given in 19. So this is the scene as they bring the donkey to Jesus. Luke 19, beginning in verse 35. Then they brought him, that is the donkey, to Jesus. And they threw their clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then, as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice, and they started praising God with loud voices for all the mighty works that they had seen, all the miracles and everything, all they had seen, the power. They started praising and glorifying, saying, Blessed is he who is king, who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So some of the Pharisees called to Jesus from the crowd, Hey, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to hush. And Jesus said, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones, the stones would immediately begin to cry out. Then the next verse, verse 41. As he drew near, he saw the city, and he wept over it. He started sobbing, crying. It wasn't just about Jerusalem. It was about people. That's who he was crying over. Because he knew they didn't really get it. They still, even his, his closest disciples still didn't fully get it. Kind of like we don't sometimes get it. He just wept. I think he wept over Gethsemane. I know it was right there in Jerusalem, but, but I think he, he, he looked down in time and, and he just wept over the penalty he pushed him to. Do you reckon that Jesus has ever wept over you? Do you reckon he's ever just wept over you? Now, I'm going to suggest that he has. And I'm going to go ahead and confess to you so sorry he's had to weep over you like he has I have he's wept over me I know he has probably been kind of angry at me at times too but I know he's wept Jesus rode into Jerusalem with determined heart 
and a surrendered will. Jesus was fully aware of the prophecy here in Isaiah 50. He knew what the days would be like as he made his way to the cross. In this third servant song, as it's called in Isaiah, servant song, we learn how Messiah has a learned tongue, a learned tongue, and also an open ear to the Father. Let me ask you something personal. Is your tongue and your ear fully submitted to God? I, I, I think he still wants that out of his disciples. I know he does. So I ask myself, is, is my tongue and my ear fully submitted to God? The servant then declares, I've set my face like a flint. When you're determined, you refuse to give up. Your face is, is set like flint. I read this in studying. I don't know who said it, but I like the quote. Do you know that you can only be as passionate as you are determined? Let me say that again. Do you know that you only can be as passionate as you are determined. Jesus was determined that he was going to complete this will. We see then that the servant, Jesus, is walking in confident, confident obedience. I got a friend of mine, and I told him, I called him, I said, hey, I'm going to use you in the sermon Sunday. He said, oh, Lord, what are you going to say? Some of y'all know Troy Wagner, real close friend, and uh, he's member of the church over at Hope Club where I was at. And he calls me from time to time and he tells me this quote that I'm about to tell you. And so I called him a few weeks ago. I hadn't heard from him. And I was having a tough day and I said, hey brother, I need you to tell me that quote. And here's the quote. Ain't no hill for a climber. Now just think about it a minute. Sometimes he'll call Harvey. I know he's going through stuff, but this ain't no hill for a climber. You're a climber, brother. Just keep climbing. Just just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And he said, I know some days that hill gets a little higher, but this ain't no hill for a climber. You got to be determined. And Jesus, I think, when he saw this week and he saw the hill, we know it's Calvary. This ain't no hill for a climber. I'm going to climb this hill because people are going to need what this week represents. Another question that I want you to think about you think about the hills that you've had to climb sometimes and some days were tougher than others. Let me ask you this. How does confidence in God's faithfulness, how does confidence in God's faithfulness enable you to dare what you otherwise might not do? And I can just confess to you, sometimes I'm facing things, if it were not for God's faithfulness, I don't know if I can handle it. But he who has called you is faithful. And so sometimes our confidence is, I'm not, I'm not confident in my faithfulness, but I'm confident in his faithfulness. So how does confidence in God's faithfulness enable you to dare what you otherwise might not? The salvation that is given to us by Jesus included suffering and it included humiliation. And in this life, we too will face suffering at times, we'll face humiliation it may not always be because of our faith. It may just be that we live in this fallen world. But either way, when we do, we know we have a Savior who understands. So my confidence is in the God who is faithful. 
in the latter part of Isaiah in verse 10, the call. Those of you who are in darkness and want some light, the call is repeated all the way through the Bible because he answers his own question. Trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. In other words, bottom line, no matter what, just trust God. Just trust him. Trust God. You know that. You've had to do that in times. Sometimes it didn't make no more sense than anything. God, I just trust you. Jesus already knew what was about to happen. You know, in Revelation, he called himself Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. So he knew all this. He knew all the prophecies that were spoken about him. And in fact, do you remember, you remember in Luke, the fourth chapter, he walks into the synagogue at Nazareth. Remember the scene, and he walks up, and everybody's watching him, and he gets up, and the Bible tells us there in Luke, the fourth chapter, that he opened up to Isaiah. And he read from Isaiah 49, Isaiah 49, 8 and 9, because you can go back and look at it. Isaiah 49, 8 and 9. He read it in front of everybody in the synagogue. He goes over and sits down. I love the, it says that when he sat down, all eyes were fixed on him. And then he said to everybody there in the synagogue in Isaiah 49, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So the text here in Isaiah 56, it did not catch Jesus off guard. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from the shame and from the spitting. Have you ever had anybody spit on you? Literally. Have you ever had anybody just spit on you? Have you, have you ever taken the spit for someone else? And there I mean maybe not just literally. Maybe you've taken the blame for something you didn't do for somebody else. It's, a, it's an odd feeling. Jesus took being spit on for you and me. He knew what would happen when he got on that donkey. He knew what would happen. Yet he got on it anyway. He got on it anyway. Jesus rode on that donkey. rode on it for Harvey Bay. He rode right in for me. He followed through. Even though he knew what would happen. That's why we make such a big deal about this week. That's why we get palm branches out and remember and remind ourselves that the parade wasn't all wonderful. So I leave you with the four thoughts that I emphasized earlier and just reemphasized them to you. Two of them are questions. Is your tongue and your ear fully submitted to God? I don't know of a better day than today to do that. God, I, I give you my tongue. I give you my ear. I don't want to be rebellious against you. I want to hear what you tell me. I don't want to be rebellious with you. I want to follow through. The second thing, how does confidence in God's faithfulness enable you to dare what you otherwise might not? Praise the Lord. So many things I've gone through, and you have too. You've got testimonies of the reason you dealt with things in your life that were unpleasant, that were difficult to deal with, 
but he who called you is faithful and you trusted in his faithfulness to help get you through it. The third thing I emphasize was trust in the name of the Lord. Whatever you're going through right now in your life, I cannot give you any better advice than to just simply trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his guidance. And the fourth thing, in closing, I asked you earlier about Jesus ever weep over you and I'll make it a little more personal has Jesus wept over you lately if he has or not so we give the invitation perhaps maybe there's something that you need to come and just ask for forgiveness we make our way to that week and him hanging up on the cross Abba, Abba forgive them Forgive them for they know not what they do. And I know he was talking to those soldiers right around him, but I, I think he was looking way beyond that. Has Jesus wept over you lately? He rode on that donkey for you. Let's pray together. God, we praise you. It seems not enough for me just to say we praise you for what you did. God, we praise you for what you Thank you for the cross. Bless our week this week. I pray that all of us will be stirred in our hearts of how faithful our God is. Bless us all. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together. Our closing hymn is hymn number 472. Near to the heart of God. Hymn number 472. The altar is always open.